This is an ABC podcast. On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker, and on AM radio. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Never buy your flowers where you buy your toilet paper. It was advice that I was given by a flower farmer years ago. However, it may be advice that might be disputed by one of our guests today. But for whatever reason, it's something that has stuck with me because it turns out that most of us have no idea where our cut flowers come from. And at a time where many of us think about buying sustainably and locally, did you know that in Australia... 50 to 70% of our flowers are imported. Most of them come from South America, India and Kenya. But now there's a call for a slow local flower movement. So what does that mean and what would that look like? Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, joining you from ABC Warnable, also dressed in flower attire today, which was a complete mistake. Kirsten Diprose, good morning. I like that we've dressed on theme. I know, we need to have some visuals with this. We both are covered in flowers and I didn't even think about it this morning. Now, the idea of flowers, I love fresh flowers. If I could afford it, I would have flowers in every room of the house. It's something that just makes me feel happy. I love how they look. I love how they smell. But the fact is, most of us don't really know where our flowers come from. And there is a growing movement here in Victoria from small-scale farmers and from florists to not just educate us, but to help make that process easier. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say that I was in that category until about a year or so ago. I really didn't know or think about where the flowers came from. I just assumed that they were locally grown. I didn't know that you could fly flowers over uh, and we'll hear about the process because it's incredible about how they keep them looking good. But the case that they do is incredible. And then, of course, you've got the issue of all the plastic and the foam that they can come into, uh, come with. And I feel particularly silly not knowing about it because I live on a farm and, you know, we talk about sustainability and there's a big push in the broader agriculture scene to be more sustainable. And it goes for, for flowers too. And there's a little bit of greenwashing that can come alongside the the flower industry, and that's not necessarily by anybody's fault. But if something's wrapped in beautiful brown paper, if there's not a lot of labelling, how are you to know? How is the florist even to know, depending on where they buy their flowers from? How are they to know where their flowers actually come from? So I wonder whether we could bring in some form of regulation, some kind of mandatory way that you need to explain where your flowers have come from. So as consumers, that we have that information. I even wonder if there's an appetite for that. Oh, I'm sure there is. And we'll speak to Nikki Davey, who is really, uh, she's developed a platform so that people can trace where their flowers come from. Uh, because there is that appetite, because people want to know that their flowers are coming from somewhere local. Most people love to support local. And then you've got the environmental layer on it. It's just that we didn't think about it. Like I said, I assumed if it was a fresh looking flower, it couldn't have come from 14,000 kilometres away. But 
<laughs> How wrong I was. There's already plenty of texts coming in on this with questions that people have. So if you are someone that loves to buy fresh flowers, we know that Valentine's Day, whether you love or hate it, Valentine's Day is just around the corner and it is a day where lots of flowers are purchased. Do you want more information about where your flowers come from? And if you've got questions about flowers, then we certainly have the experts for you today. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt and Kirsten Dipros with you this morning. You're on the Conversation Hour as we look at, well, the slow flower movement. Ways to try and encourage us to think about the flowers that we purchase and the world of floristry as well. Already texts on this. Yep, don't know where most of the flowers come from, so I don't buy at the supermarket. Now, this is something that has always stuck with me, but something that potentially will be contested by our first guest, Joining us in the studio, Rita Feldman. She's from the Sustainable Floristry Network and is a second-generation florist, amongst many other things, including a science writer and the founder of No Floral Foam Movement. Rita, a warm welcome to the Conversation Hour. Let's set up how floristry came into your life. What's the, the connection between you and your family and flowers? Well, my parents, along with a couple of their friends, um, back in the early 70s, uh, set up one of the first roadside stands in Melbourne. Wow. And that was a horse and cart in South Yarra. And I grew up as a child on the corner of that of the road in the park, surrounded by flowers. And that world of flowers then was very different to the world that we see today. What was different about it? Oh, look, I, I was looking at photos the other day um, that I've got from that time and you can see it's, it's illustrated perfectly. We had bucket after bucket of field-grown blooms grown in the dandenongs, um, open, quite open, no plastic. Um, and in those days, people would pick up a bunch. It was very, very common for people to pick up a bunch of flowers along with their weekly shopping, take it home and put the bunch in a vase on the on the kitchen oh, table. Oh, I love that. That's what I want to do. And yeah, well, flowers were quite affordable. Um, expectations around perhaps how long they should last or anything. You just rolled with the seasons. Chrysanthemums in May. Um, you know, then you get to spring and then you get tulips, and all of it was coming from a growing farming community just on the other side of the you know Mount Dandenong. Well, most of it. There's also you know there's other growing regions. Um, but of course, that's changed a lot. We've seen, you know, over the years, and um, you know, now we, as you've introduced earlier, we see a lot more imported flowers on the market, and it can be very, very difficult to know. Rita, I think you've set that scene beautifully. When did the change come? Because from the outsider, it ju- we had no idea. Look, it's been, re- I would say in, in Australia, it's really the last 20 years where we've seen that increase in, in, in imported flowers. There's big shifts within, within the growing industry where we saw, um, you know, once upon a time, we had a lot of different rose growers. That's narrowed down to just a few growers um, and a lot, lot of roses coming in. Um, but there's always, there has always been a very solid, healthy growing industry here. Um, but as perhaps second generation farmers, so a lot of a lot of uh, 
Dutch migrants set up farms mm. and brought with them a lot of expertise in growing flowers. Is there a big world of floristry now? Like growing up in regional Vic, in your main street, in your high street, there was your key shops that you always had and the local florist was always one of them. Is that still the case? Yes, but we see fewer bricks and mortar shops and more online services, a lot more studios, a lot more florists working from home studios. Um, and so the structure and the delivery, and you get once upon a time, if you ran a flower shop, you might service weddings and events as well. Now we have more lots of wedding and event specialists, and then we'll have people who perhaps focus on deliveries, and then we'll have shops that service their you know local area. I know as consumers, we might be starting to think about where our flowers come from. This is a silly question, but do florists think about where their flowers come from and do florists have that information depending on where and how they purchase their flowers? I'm presuming there's probably different levels of floristry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what we see with a lot of people that come into the industry and perhaps haven't had the experience of growing, if you've been working alongside a successful business for some time, you do start to become familiar with local growers and labels and that sort of thing. But the way that the wholesale world works is that you 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 know with more and more of us florists buy directly from wholesalers that might be in the market or that might be a wholesaler premises in the city or in the hills and you can walk into a fridge and you see like a super effectively like a supermarket set up of flowers rows and rows of all these different varieties and so not all of them are labeled some of them are labeled we don't have any sort of um you're not required to label country of origin like asparagus or something like mm. that. So when you walk in, it can be very, very un- hard to know. So unless you ask specific questions about those flowers, if you're not very experienced, it's going to be very, very confusing. There's nothing there to tell you straight away. On the text line, Leonie says, recently in Tassie, I went to a wonderful old-fashioned Sunday market. The lady was selling her beautiful flowers for $5 a bunch. That's a bargain. Uh, No plastic or paper to wrap them. The beautiful old lady asked if you wanted ladies' knickers to wrap them up in. (laughs) Just wonderful. But I'm loving the recommendations that are coming through on the text message. Um, Best Sunday drive through Sylvan for flowers and lunch in the Dandenongs. Georgie says, buy your flowers at markets or grow your own in your garden or pots on the balconies. Rita, flowers weren't in supermarkets maybe 10 or 15 Mm. years ago, but they are now. Where do they come from? Well, I think supermarkets um, are sourcing from the same place, the same wholesalers that all florists are. A lot of, um, you know, like with other supermarket goods, there'll be stronger relationships with certain suppliers so that the the, the supply is guaranteed, I guess. Um, but, yeah, the, the, from what I've observed inside supermarkets, there's obviously a mix of locally grown or domestically grown and imported flowers. The idea of, I mean, as you just said, Kirsten, it wasn't that long ago where flowers weren't sold in a supermarket. Did that have an impact on the floristry world. I know like as a milk bar kid, for example, I guess mm. I can make the comparison of there were certain things that the service station couldn't sell. Once they started to sell it, you started to see the demise of the milk bar or started to have an impact on your profit and your bottom line. Should supermarkets sell flowers? How do you feel about it? 
Look at I Yeah, it, it's one of those things that should they do lots of things, but I know it's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that people who are really into flowers know that a certain level of expertise um, determines quality and experience, and so. Often buying flowers, uh, people develop relationships with their florist or their local, whoever it is. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess they serve some, some purpose, and, but there will always be professionals out there who are going to give you a better service. Rita Feldman is with you. She's from the Sustainable Floristry Network and is a second-generation florist. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria, this is The Conversation Hour. Write a good Rochelle Hunt and Kirsten Diprose with you as we look at sustainable flowers and local flowers. Rita Feldman from the Sustainable Floristry Network is with you. Before we have a chat with Nikki Davey, who is the co-owner of Grown Not Flown, how much information is there, do you think, for both consumers, for those within the industry, to know how to be sustainable and how to be local, Rita? Is it too hard at the moment? It's look. It's really difficult. There's there's has until now been a lack of information about what even perhaps what is sustainable mm. what in in floristry. I mean, there's so much to that to the idea of sustainability and and bringing it, you know, joining it to the word floristry. Um, flowers. It's not just about uh, provenance, but it's about how flowers are grown. Um, you know, flowers can be grown in the soil. They can be grown in big glass houses that are heated, that use a lot of fossil fuels to heat. So we're looking at carbon footprints. Pesticides. Pesticides and chemicals. Post-harvest post treatment, chemical treatments, water use, um, transport, cold chain where you've got a lot of energy, be, you know, keeping flowers cold throughout that, that chain, transport and air freight in, with flowers because, of course, they're perishable, so they move around the world um, by air freight. Um, and, of course, you've got the, the, the part with people. You know, sustainability is about how people working within the industry are treated and the wages that they're getting for the work that they're doing and the health and safety aspects. So it's a really complicated... Oh, for such a pretty yeah. bunch of something I know. small. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know, but it's quite confronting once you start to, yeah. to think about it. I know, and, and flowers represent so much emotionally. I was yeah. just thinking back when you mentioned the relationship with your florist to the time that I burst into tears in front of a florist uh, in my beautiful town of Hamilton because I was sending flowers about a, a, a friend who'd recently died and I was writing a card and it just, you know, and she was beautiful. She was like, oh, don't worry about it. And I thought, I bet she's dealt with this a lot. This is not the first time she's had, a, a, a you know, tears running down from a customer. I'd like to bring into the conversation Nikki Davey now, who is the co-owner of Grown Not Flown and the national winner for the AgriFutures Rural Women's of the Ward last year. She took out the Victorian Award and then the national one. Welcome to the program, Nikki. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Now, you really started as a flower grower yourself. Where are you based and how did your journey begin? Yeah, so we're based in Glenmore, which is about 15 kilometres outside of Bacchus Marsh. 
which is in the western sort of corridor and is one of you know uh, Victoria's largest food bowls as well so I never expected to be a flower grower so still relatively new so please um still learning lots of lessons and um and that sort of thing as well but yeah it's it's been fantastic and um if you had asked me five years ago if this is where I thought I would be I I probably would have laughed in your face but <laughs> change it for the world so yeah, tell us a little bit I mean what's it like what's your what's day-to-day life like as a flower farmer what do you what sort of flowers do you grow how do you ensure I can barely keep them alive in a vase let alone out in the yard <laughs> I would, and you know, to that point, I would never have actually said that I was a green thumb either. Um, but I suppose flowers have always sort of been around our family. My grandparents both grew flowers. My uh, grandpa was an avid rose grower and used to give away buckets, I remember, as a kid. But we grow perennial wildflowers and natives. So things like the South African proteas, leucodendrons, leucospernums, um, which are the pin cushions, kangaroo paw, billy buttons, some banksias, those oh sorts goodness. of things. Yeah, we've had uh, just on the the native flowers. We've had quite a few text messages asking about whether you can know for sure the natives are actually grown in Australia. Yeah, a, a large portion of them are, but there's also a large portion that are actually sort of imported, which I think is um, one of the things that can be quite surprising is that you think that an Australian native, so something like the kangaroo paws or the belly buttons, it's easy to make the assumption that they are locally grown, but there are a large portion that are also imported. Do you think there's an appetite for more information and for local flowers? We saw, we've seen a huge shift over the last, say, 10 years, and that was accelerated throughout COVID, to buy locally when it comes to our groceries. Has that then transferred to something like fresh flowers? Yeah, absolutely. And I think COVID really put a spotlight on the industry as a whole because the imports for flowers were also limited, but it was the way that people were connecting with their loved ones when they weren't able to visit them face to face or be able to sort of um, see them as frequently as, as they would have liked. And so there was definitely a resurgence in supporting local as a result of COVID. And I think that there was a lot more awareness around where your flowers came from as a result of that. And so we often say, you know, we want to celebrate the provenance of flowers the same way that we do with food because not all flowers are grown equal. How does your platform actually work, Nikki, in terms of giving people some insight into where their flowers come from? Yeah, so Grow Not Flown is an online platform and app that connects flower farmers and consumers. And so we have a real focus on the micro and small scale growers in particular, but the platform is inclusive of all types of growers and so we do have some large commercial growers that are also listed on there but what it what it does is a lot of those micro small scale growers also sell in lots of different ways and so it might be you know to florists to floral designers to restaurants um, a lot of the time direct to consumers whether that be via farm gate or you know DIY brides those sorts of things and so it allows the growers to be able to list themselves and provides that aggregated view so that when you go onto the platform you hit search growers you'll get we where integrated with Google Maps so there's you know a a map of the world and there's a little map marker where each flower farm is listed and so you're able to sort of have do this really sort of simple dynamic search to be able to see who the local growers are in your region. Rita Feldman is within the studio as well and you've just recently launched the Sustainable Forestry Network like with Nikki Davey with Grow Not Flown are we going to start to see easier access 
to information and to resources like this, do you think, Rita? Well, that's pretty much the purpose of, of why we have uh, developed our, our training program and our, you know, our whole organisation is that what is missing in this industry, there's a lot of communication and that often we find that the communication between where flowers come from to the florist has lost, but then also once it gets to the florist, before it gets to the customer, it's also lost again. So if you go to a flower shop and you look at a beautiful display, you'll often see the plastics removed, the sleeves are removed. So you lose levels of information each time flowers change hand. So a lot of this is about getting what we're trying to encourage people to do is ask questions and so that the information is transferred from the point of where they're growing. Very much what Nikki's doing is trying to get the information about the provenance of flowers, how they're grown, who's growing them, who's going the extra mile to not use pesticides or grow outdoors or minimise their food or grow in more sustainable ways and get that information through That's sort of almost like how the shift that we saw in our produce that we eat. absolutely. It was consumer-driven. I want to know questions. And now we see labels on everything. Yeah, that's right. There's a really great point that's been made just on the text line. Uh, Nowadays, most shoppers are are so time poor, the choice to get their meat, vegetables, bread, flowers and alcohol in the one place instead of going to various outlets saves them time. And I think, you know, there will always be people who will go the extra mile and and go to the flower market or direct to the grower. But a lot of people are busy. Nikki, are are there any ways that, you know, we can think outside of the box in terms of actually allowing for convenience Yeah, it's something that we definitely want to be able to tackle because we can, I can certainly appreciate myself being a busy person that it it is, you know, you want a shortcut and you want to make those simple sort of decisions when you are kind of, um, when, when you are sort of doing your life admin. And so one of the things that we want to sort of look to be able to tackle is also that logistics and, um, you know, Grow Not Flown has just recently expanded to also include in, you know, include produce as well, but we want to be able to make it so that you can go to, you know, one site, buy all your fresh produce, buy fresh flowers, and you know that you're, you know, getting something direct from the source or that's been grown in a sort of an ethical and sustainable way. But it, it is a, it's a tough challenge to actually mm. be able to do that. But we, I suppose, you know, consumers vote with their feet and you want those conscious consumers to help start that movement. What's fascinating is this feels like the industry regulating itself and wanting to do better, which is hugely commendable because you don't have to do that, right? Because it's probably not the cheapest option. It's probably not the easiest option. Nikki, do you think there needs to be law or regulation around the the flower industry and what, you know, how many imports we have versus how many local growers we have? I definitely think there needs to be more transparency around it. What that looks like, I'm I'm still sort of a little uncertain on, but I think because I know that there's a lot of conversation that happens, especially around this time of year, around co- uh, country of origin labelling for flowers. And, I, and, and so I do believe that there needs to be a level of transparency, but what we need to do is make sure that we don't put that additional administration onto all of the micro and small scale growers because what happens then is they're already sort of doing it tough. A lot of them don't take wages. Um, Mm. They're they're producing these really high quality, chemical free, you know, organically 
regeneratively grown flowers or produce um, because they because they love it. And so we don't want to give them something that's going to sort of then make it harder for them to sort of do their job. And so it, we, we really sort of need to actually think about what the upstream downstream impacts of any of these regulatory changes are to the supply chain. Nikki Davey, thank you so much for joining us and shedding some light on this issue. Thank you for having me. Nikki Davy, there, co-owner of Grown Not Flown and her farm is based near Bacchus Marsh. Rita Feldman is with us uh, from the Sustainable Floristry Network. Rita, it's coming up to Valentine's Day. For people who are going to be buying red roses for their loved ones, where are these roses coming from? Are they in season for us? You can tell I don't grow flowers, so I wouldn't even know if, if roses are blooming right now. I suppose they would be. It's it's come out of spring. <laughs> it is for Australia. You know, we're, we're, it's, we're lucky here where it's it's summer. We can, we do, rose is, roses are in season. We can buy some locally grown roses. But think about the Northern Hemisphere. So the Northern Hemisphere is right in the middle of winter, but Valentine's Day falls on the same day. So that's a really interesting way to sort of get your head around how mm. this kind of global, you know, industry works. All those flowers have to come from countries in the global south or certainly in the southern hemisphere. And then we've got Mother's Day, which is a huge day yep. for flowers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot colder then. It is. And we often find that at Mother's Day... Um, it's a real crossover point and we do have to supplement. The demand for flowers is greater than what local what local growers can supply. And so you do see an increased number of imports come in and that's to meet, to meet the demand that is there. So maybe you buy flowers and you want more information. Would you like to see better labelling? Do you go to the lengths to be able to buy from a small-scale farmer? Or are you a florist as well? And would you like more information? And what feedback are you getting from consumers? On the ABC Listen app, your smart speaker, and on AM radio. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne, your co-host this morning, Kirsten Dipper. Joining you from ABC Warnable as we talk about local flowers, small scale flower farming. How much do you know about the flowers that you buy and where they come from? I think a lot of people, people, Rita Feldman, who's also with you from the Sustainable Floristry Network, have been shocked to find out that around 50 to 70% of our flowers are imported. A lot of questions around how cost of living and even references back to the global financial crisis, you know, years ago. And the first thing that often goes are those little luxuries or are sometimes they're the thing. I remember sometimes I remember the sale of lipsticks went up for example I think it was during the global financial crisis because it was one little luxury that people could buy themselves I wonder where flowers fall into the cost of living does it fall away or is it just that one little thing sometimes that you can get yourself just to make you know you feel good about the world I think that flowers have always been like an affordable luxury um, for a lot of people. But what we're seeing now is that the prices of flowers has increased a lot. Yeah, I've noticed that. And I think that when it gets down, when people are struggling, then it's one of those luxuries that, that, that unfortunately, that we that fall apart, which means that the occasions that we do give flowers, I think there's a little bit more emphasis on on 
mm. you know, what, we, what we're giving and, and consideration goes into that, what we're spending our money on. And the prices, though, at supermarkets, particularly some of those really budget supermarkets, are, are quite cheap. And that must make it difficult for the industry to keep up. Is there any... Can you explain the pricing in terms of how long a flower will last? You know, it sounds like an obvious question, but will a flower that's been locally grown last longer than one that's been treated and flown across the world? Look, every single flower has a different lifespan, I think that's important to recognise. Um, of course, if flowers, the longer that they're out of the time between being picked and, and landing in your vase, obviously it places things under greater stress. If they're held in fridges, if you've got something in your crisper that's sitting, a piece of broccoli that's sat there for four weeks, well, it's not going to be anything like a fresh piece of broccoli. So the same the same goes for flowers. Just going back to what you said, though, about the prices in supermarkets, mm. I would have to say, though, I've looked at bunches in supermarkets and I see the price, but I also see half the number of stems it, as a bunch that I also see a lot yeah. of plastic, a lot yeah. of plastic as well. Yeah, so so there's a lot of rebunching and restructuring. So the idea of a bunch can vary a lot too, because stems can be removed from what they were bunched in at the at the point of the the farm. Um, but yeah, it, back to the question about you know how long they last. Well, of course, the more strain, the more, the longer the distance, the more treatment processes, the longer they are in a cooling system. Well, that's going to take, you know, spark away from them. They're living things. <laughs> so why is it though that sometimes you'll buy a bunch of flowers and yeah. then I swear the moment you get them home and pop them in the vase, the next day you come out and they're all sad and wilted and you know there's petals on the yeah. table. And then you feel so ripped off. Like, yeah. They look so good 24 hours ago. Yeah. What's happened to them? <laughs> well, I think a lot of it is to do with how long flowers are held. So, you know, if you're, you can put things in a, in a, in a cool room, um, fresh bucket of flowers, and they look amazing. And if you forget about it or if they get mixed up in the turnover of stock or something like that and you take them out, the shock of coming out of that, of that temperature can actually you know, a lot of flowers go over very quickly at that point. Um, and, of course, quality. There's different quality. There's some really amazing growers. Mm. There's 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 some, you know, lower quality. <laughs> I don't know where your husband is buying you flowers from, Rochelle. Maybe my they're the half... My doesn't buy me flowers. <laughs> I buy well, my own flowers. Are you buying the half-price ones that are on the way out, though? Uh, no, I'm actually retelling somebody else's story. But anyhow, <laughs> I... I unashamedly buy my own flowers. I I love fresh flowers so much. My mum was a fresh flower lover. And when she died, I made this little thing to myself. I said, I'm always going to try and just keep fresh flowers in the house because it reminds me of her. I will, yeah, um, yeah I'll come back thinking I'm going to get broccoli and I'm <laughs> buy flowers instead. Well, speaking of fresh flowers, uh, near my end of the world, uh, Fergus Monsborough is a flower grower at Coroit Fruit and Flowers and joins us now. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having us on. So tell us about what you grow. Uh, we grow a range of seasonal flowers and foliage. So uh, at the moment, um, dahlias is a large, large part of what we grow, um, sunflowers, um, there's status, um, there's quite a range as well as the foliage of different eucalypts, um, 
even some acacias can be used. Um, uh, woolly bush, uh, yeah, there's quite a wow, quite a range. And Fergus, yeah. so far, everyone that we've spoken to, there's somehow been a a generational. There's been a, a family connection. Is this the story with you, or is this are you the first flower farmer in your family? Um, my partners, I'll I won't answer the question exactly um, correctly, but my partner's first job um, at school was as a you know florist job and uh so she learned a lot of skills there um my parents um are farmers but not flowers but they certainly had a nice garden um and were interested in um plants gardening uh growing trees um so yeah they're um certainly familiar with plants and growing and um yeah so you're a, a micro flower farm. Do you find that uh, flowers are, are still po- popular? We were talking about price earlier and, and how the price has gone up and obviously we've got cost of living pressures at the moment. Are people still wanting flowers? Yeah, absolutely. There's quite a few growers in this Warrnambool region um, and they don't seem to have any problem uh, selling flowers. Uh, they're sort of for significant occasions um there are they're also as you guys have said um, something people love to have at home on their table so uh yeah i I think they're Mm. really relevant these days and given that valentine's day is around the corner you have a you know love-hate relationship with that day but the fact is lots of people will be buying flowers because you're not getting flowers from your husband rochelle actually that's one day he does buy them i think cracked it 30 years ago and then you know I, if it didn't, I'd just go buy them myself anyhow. Oh, I don't I even care. get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, are roses, like we've mentioned roses before, but Fergus, are people still, like, is that still the trend for something like Valentine's Day? I think um, different flowers hold significance to different people, so it just depends. Maybe for some people roses are, but not necessarily. So uh, most people you speak to have favourites, Um particular flowers that remind them of certain people or things um so mm. uh not not necessarily you can say there are a lot of other flowers Depends. especially for local growers uh get sold around valentine's day and would you like to see i mean we've been speaking a lot about the information the regulation when it comes to even understanding where your flowers come from and what sustainability means as a grower what changes would you like to see? What would be helpful for you? Um, good question. Um, yeah, I'm not not uh, because we sell locally. Um, those regulations that maybe affect yeah. um, the importation of flowers and things like that probably aren't as uh, impactful on us as it might be to. Um, other growers. Um, so is your relationship with your customers more direct than, than yeah, say... A, yeah, that's right. Either selling to a local florist or selling direct to the customer. Um, we feel quite free to be able to have that direct relationship and, um, yeah, have, a, have an easy, open relationship that works well for both parties. I find it really interesting from a farming perspective that micro farms are micro you know flower farms are are popping up and often yeah. these farms you know you might have some sheep as well or some cows and you've got a flower farm what's what's yep. happening there do you think oh, I think quite often there's the opportunity at 
you can uh, grow a lot of flowers in a small space. So in an area around around here, southwest mm-hmm. Victoria, often people have access to that space, um, and so there's an opportunity there, and um, they might, um, you know, have have experience either through their family or friends um, that they can access to uh, pursue that interest. Um, also, my partner finds it easy to sort of work flexibly around having a child and I think some other women Mm. also find that convenient if you're working for yourself at home you can work it around other things and I love that idea of being able to combine you know whether it be produce or livestock or whatever it is and just little patches of flowers as well Fergus thanks so much for your time we really appreciate it yeah thanks a lot for having us on He's a flower grower from Koroit. He's from Koroit Fruit and Flowers. You've got little patches on your farm, Kirsten Dipros, where you can start <laughs> to grow some flowers that I can come and pick. Well, not me personally, but my mother-in-law is a wonderful gardener and does open gardens, and she's got an amazing array of flowers. She doesn't sell them, but people come from all over Victoria and Australia to see her garden. So I can pick from there. I don't grow them myself, but... I I think, Rita, it's an interesting conversation about sustainability when we start thinking about flowers as part of agriculture Mm -hmm. and how farmers are are integrating that and diversifying with flowers and microflower farms as an option. Yeah, look, I think it's definitely growing. That's how it sort of used to be, 70s sort of back in the old days um and it's funny because a, a, a wholesaler said to me a little while ago said oh you just want to see things how they were in the 70s and i'm thinking why not why not <laughs> um and that's sort of what we are seeing because what what happens is is with once upon a time you'd have a lot of different growers and one person to grow this and one person to grow that and you'd pick up each in the old markets whereas now um there tends to be fewer growers, more concentrated, bigger crops. But it has been, sorry, for and some time. Did, and now did that happen? I guess it, look, I'll make the milk bar comparison oh, again. I think it's to do with, you know, a lot of, there was a lot of investment in setting up, you know, Large quite sophisticated scale. greenhouses. And, um, you know, you can, when you grow in a greenhouse uh, or a glass house, you can control the variables and it's better for yields and, and you can grow, con- control your conditions more. So you can extend seasons and things like that. I don't know if this is a question that either of you can answer, but when we talk about it from an agricultural perspective and if there is a way from someone that was farming something, never in their wildest dreams thought that they would add flowers to a part of uh, to their stock, to, to their business, what benefits do flowers, do fresh flowers bring, say, to another part of agriculture, whether it be uh, the flora and fauna that is then produced or the habitat that is created? Does, what, what, how does it benefit other areas of ag? Well, when you, when you diversify your crops, um, you increase biodiversity. And so if you are, you know, if you've just got a plain patch of grass, um, you know, and then you introduce flowers or mixed flowers and you can support pollinators and things like that. So, you know, diversifying any sort of farming situation um, has, has benefits, particularly in terms of biodiversity. Yeah, absolutely. I know that there's uh, some growers in my region who are primarily are grazing. They have sheep and cattle, but have, um, you know, sunflowers and other 
crops for biodiversity to improve the soils and that's the idea and that's kind of part of the regenerative agriculture mu- uh, movement and a lot of those are more for grazing rather than you know growing these beautiful sunflowers to then sell but it's it's certainly something that's in the mix and then with climate change as well, a lot of farmers are thinking about diversifying because of the unreliability of, of rainfall of and, um, you know, or, or excess sunshine or not enough sunshine. So farmers are kind of being gradually pushed away from that get big, get out mindset where it's like, let's just have massive fields of of wheat and canola, mm. while that's still the predominant kind of form of agriculture for commodities, there is this growing movement of, okay, we do need to do things a little mm. bit differently and it's all part of that. And I think it's it's really interesting. So maybe going back to the 70s in some <laughs> ways, we can still use modern technology, yeah. but, you know, pesticides and things, again, there's this growing knowledge that perhaps we don't want to be using this so much and they're expensive. Is this being debated, like at the moment, within the the ag world, within the floristry world or the cut flowers world and the farming world, is there tension between those who do use land to grow flowers or those who think that we should go back to the 70s or is everyone oh. sort of shifting towards this is something that we should be doing? No, I, I don't think there's any tension. I think there's a growing awareness about the benefits of perhaps expanding your, you know, your, your, your crops or, mm. or adding, you know, something like a, a, a corridor of, of pollinators because it supports, it can be, it can support other crops in that way in terms of, you know, if you've got fruit trees or other. Um, but I think that one of these, this really nice idea that's coming out of, having regional flower growing and and farms that are sort of you know spaced out is that we're always trying to reduce the footprint yeah and our, the transport footprint between the producer the, particularly within the slow flowers movement between the producer and the and the customer and so if you've got a, a local farm and it might only have two or three varieties and they're field grown and they're only there supporting those farms is, is a really good way to support the movement in general. Lots of texts on this. I buy flowers from a local florist. The owners grow many of the flowers at their farm in Mombok. If flowers are not grown by them, they'll often tell you where their flowers come from, even without being asked. That's from Amber. And others talking about how they try and buy a fresh bunch every week from the Vic Market, but they would love to know if they were grown locally, but there's just no information. If there is, it's very difficult to find, even if I ask. That's from Pat in Melbourne. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria, this is The Conversation Hour. You don't bring me flowers Oh, how could we not play that song? Good morning, <laughs> Rochelle Hunt and Kirsten Dimbrose with you as we speak about sustainable flowers in the local flower industry. This is from Lisa. It said, I loved buying cut flowers because I felt flowers would brighten up the house and they made me feel happier. I couldn't agree more. But I started growing my own flowers in the backyard, mainly roses. However, I found the cut roses sold here didn't label the types of roses that were done in the US. I wonder if that can be done. So a nice bunch of cut roses... I 
would love to grow them in the garden without knowing their name it's hard to find them and to know if they're imported i can try to propagate it myself so it'll be cut flowers that can be labeled from their origins and their names that's from lisa also joining you in the studio this hour she's a second generation florist and has just created the sustainable florist network Rita Feldman before we speak to our final guest when we speak about floristry Rita do you need to train can anyone be a florist so I admitted to you off air if I was to ever go into another industry and florists probably hate this right because everybody thinks they can you know put a nice bunch of flowers (laughs) together can anyone be a florist do you need training do you need a certificate or could I just open up Rish's lovely bunch <laughs> tomorrow. You can open up Rish's lovely bunch. Yep. Really? So, look, that's 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 a that is um, the way it works in florist. You don't unlike it, it's always traditionally been considered a trade at one in in perhaps within industry. But then you think about flowers, floristry, art, and there's a whole other world where it's associated with ho- a hobby or a, a you know a, something beautiful that you can do and art and flowers have sort of made their way through but certainly within industry you do not need any sort of qualification anybody um can can say i'm a florist open up a social media account and start up a website there are certainly many courses like tafes offer uh floristry courses many tafes do that is sustainability taught there at that early Mm. level um, we see, no, no, basically no. So th- there is a national training package for florists um, and it's taught within several different institutions. That program is, hasn't been revised for eight years. And in those eight years, obviously, we've had, you know, huge, <laughs> the, the whole sustainable floristry movements kicked on, the awareness about floral foam and that program unfortunately um, was meant to be revised but because of COVID and things like that it's been delayed. Um, So yes you can go and you can go and do this sort of training package. Um, That is one way that people get into floristry. A lot of people go enter and they're self-taught. Something like 20% of florists are just self-taught. A lot of other people just learn on the job or they a very small percentage do an apprenticeship these days. Well, Karen is from Five Tails Farm in Gippsland. This is a small market garden in the beautiful part of Victoria, my hometown of Gippsland. How did you fall into this world of flowers, Karen? Um, hi, first of all. Hi. Nice talking to you. <laughs> um, I kind of fell into the world of veggies before I was kind of introduced to flowers. Me and my partner have been growing veggies, organic veg, for maybe the last 10 years and always kind of focused on growing, um, yeah, a diversity of vegetables that we used to sell at farmer's markets or to restaurants or to to grocery stores. And I think as the years went by and, you know, I kind of honed my skills on the vegetable front, I was kind of looking elsewhere to do something new and to expand my kind of range. And we stumbled across a flower farm um, that a friend was growing. And I just became completely obsessed um, just personally. It was such a fun and like, like uplifting feeling to see the flowers, to pick them. It's a very different professional satisfaction, I think, to see a bucket of dahlias versus, I don't know, a bin of eggplants 
although they are both very beautiful. <laughs> but um, I kind of got in into that through like a very personal level and started playing around and then realized it was a really great thing to add to our business. Um, it's it's interesting I- that you came from a food and veggies background because there's been that organic push for a long time with, um, you know, chemicals and concerns about pesticides. Mm-hmm. Did you know or was there much knowledge around the... Um, you know, pesticides that are used in flowers that have been flown from overseas? I think it's coming, you you probably have talked about it already, but I think it's coming to awareness in the last couple of years, but it's definitely a hidden part of the industry where we don't think about as much because there has been such a development in people's awareness regarding like health and the soil health on the spray of the food that we consume. Um, and definitely for me as a grower as well, I didn't understand how regulations are much more relaxed around flowers because mm. they're not an edible crop. It's interesting. There's a great question here, which I hadn't thought about. And it says, do flower growers work with beekeepers? It seems like a really obvious link up. Do, do you have any connection to, to well, beekeepers? we have some bees around and some beekeepers around. But to be honest, a lot of the flowers that we it's very funny but when you see a lot of the depending kind of the of the crop when we see a lot of flower fields as growers i want to see very little color because i want to be constantly harvesting and sometimes pollination on a technical front can even um um, shorten the lifespan of certain flowers when they get pollinated they kind of start their journey to go to seed um but us specifically we don't uh, work with any specific yeah. beekeepers, but you can definitely see them a lot around the flowers, and they and they love that a lot. And just finally, given that you've sort of made this shift, can you feel the shift in society in that people want more information, they want local, that they're asking more questions? Is this going to be one of those issues where it takes a long time and then it happens really quickly? Um. I think there's definitely more awareness. I think something on the veggie front that we have been trying to do on the flowers as well is that, you know, how you work a lot with chefs and people on TV that cook something and bring awareness and it kind of starts higher up and trickles down. And I think that's a similar journey with the flowers when we're working with, you know, big designers or wedding designers that have this agenda or florist that slowly trickles down to like more of the everyday person that buys the flowers. Um, and I think flowers have also the ability to kind of connect and create stories mm. because they're so beautiful and they attract you in. So with those flowers, we can then tell a story of what we do. Karen, thank, that people in. thank you so much, Karen. We're out of time. Karen from Five Tales Farm in Gippsland joining us there. And Rita Feldman is with us still in the studio. And she, uh, Karen just mentioned about how the biosecurity laws aren't as strong uh, with flowers compared to vegetables because we don't eat our flowers. But MasterChef can be a funny thing, Rita. (laughs) You were telling me about an episode you saw. Oh, yes, I do remember uh, an episode in which a particular Persian love cake was made and and some roses were purchased and I just remember thinking be very careful about cooking (laughs) with those roses because you don't yeah there's flowers um, are treated in a very different way to food because they're not consumed 
Well, this is the reason why we need things like the new training network that you've set up, which is the Sustainable Floristry Network. We are on the cusp of Valentine's Day, so we want this information. Rita, thank you so much for coming in and telling us a little bit about your family's history and the work that you do. It's been fascinating. Rita Feldman from the Sustainable Floristry Network. I'll be back with you tomorrow as always. Kirsten Diprose, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Take care.